Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today's sermon is the gradual psalm, Psalm 147, and the gospel reading. Have you or someone you know ever been seriously sick and then refused to get treatment? Why do some of us just refuse to see the seriousness of our own sickness and then go and get the help we need? Many times, it just comes down to pride. Sometimes it's a confidence in our own strength. When faced with sickness, we often like to power through it. We don't want to ask for help. Asking for help means that we have to admit our weakness, and that's humiliating. But of course, it can also be very harmful. If you try to ignore the sickness, if you try to power through it, you can be wasting valuable time. If you catch the illness soon enough, the doctors may be able to save you. But if you power through it, it might be too late. And that's the point. If you have a serious disease, the earlier you seek medical attention, the, more, the better your chances, the more hope you have. Well, our Christian hope is more than just hope for the correct medical treatment. It's not the kind of hope that, you, that may or may not come to pass. It's not the kind of hope we say when we say, I hope that my favorite sports team will win the game tonight. It's not that kind of hope. But our psalm, in order to show our need for hope, underlines a real danger to us. And that danger is pride, an overestimation of our own strength. Our psalm says that God is not pleased with those who trust in themselves, in their own strength. God doesn't favor those who think too much of their own abilities. Yeah, sometimes we think that we can get through our problems on our own. But sin is like a terminal illness which has infected all humanity. We all still suffer with the symptoms of its presence in us. It's like one of those chronic diseases which you can only medicate and never completely cure. We've all got this debilitating illness called sin. And yet many of us just go on ignoring our symptoms and think we'll just be better if we just power through it. And like our illustration, that will not go well. Our situation is even more dire because of the nature of our sin. Because God is seriously offended and fearfully angered by our sin. And he has promised that he will bring us to justice. God is not pleased with sinners who trust in themselves 
Instead, what God wants you to see is, your, is to recognize your own condition. In order to have any hope, you need to see that in and of yourself there is no hope. We need to acknowledge what we really are, sick, powerless, enslaved to sin. Left to ourselves, we have not one single drop of hope. We're already dead in trespasses and sins. We need to have the same realization that St. Paul did when he said, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. But notice, notice what our psalm says. It says, God heals those who have been broken in heart. God heals the brokenhearted. Now, in today's culture, a broken heart is an emotional thing. If Bobby dumps Sally, and Sally spends the rest of the week eating profuse amounts of chocolates and, eating and listening to sappy, bro, uh, uh, sappy music, she's said to have a broken heart. That is not what Scripture says when, they, when the Scripture calls us to be brokenhearted. Instead, the idea is being so overwhelmed by our troubles that we lose confidence and courage in ourselves. Someone who's brokenhearted has a complete loss of hope. A brokenhearted person recognizes and freely admits their sin. They're sorry that they have offended God. A brokenhearted person is the exact opposite of a proud, hard-hearted person. And the main difference between these two types of people is shown by what they do when they're confronted by their sin. Consider two biblical examples. How did Pharaoh react when Moses showed him his sin? He was proud. He hardened his heart. He refused to repent, and he refused to listen to God and let the people go. But after he had committed the sin with Bathsheba, how did David react when Nathan the prophet showed him his sin? He was brokenhearted. He acknowledged his sin. He had anguish and pain because he knew that he was in sin and that he had angered God. Well, if our condition is so hopeless, what possible reason could we have for hope? The reason for, that our psalm gives for hope is a simple one. Who God is. Who God is. Think about it for a moment. The God that we have. Consider the boundless understanding of the one who not only created the universe, but continues to uphold it and sustain it and keep it going. Now, some days I can't keep straight the names of my three children, but God has no such problem. Each of the countless stars, our psalm says, has a name and a number, and God knows each. The God we hope in is all-knowing. And since God is all-knowing, he knows exactly what our condition is. Indeed, he knows our condition far better than we do ourselves. He's like a doctor who knows the patient's condition better than the patient does. The patient perhaps doesn't understand all the ins and outs or what his disease will entail, but the doctor does and is ready to assist. In the same way, God knows our condition. He knows our sin down to the dirtiest 
deepest detail. The God we hope in is all-knowing. And our psalm says that he has complete control of the universe. The clouds are under God's control. Each raindrop falls precisely where God wants it. The grass on the hills grows because of God's almighty hand. God is all-powerful, and he does not yield that power without purpose. Almighty power is not wielded by a malevolent madman. No, God makes the rain come down on everyone. The just, the unjust, the good, the bad, even Donald Trump. God feeds the wild beasts and the baby ravens when they cry to him for food. This all-knowing, all-powerful God is also all-caring. And that's where this starts to sound like good news. Because we have to remember that God is all-knowing. He's also all-powerful. And that means that he has the ability and the strength to do something about our condition. And if he can make it rain wherever he wants to, then he surely has the ability to fix us and to rescue us from our sad and broken condition. And we know what kind of God we have. If God is able to feed the baby ravens, why won't he care for us? Of course he will. So we can see that who God is, is the foundation. It's the bedrock for our hope. He has the knowledge and the power and the desire to rescue us, to deliver us from sin. But the question is, has he done so? Has he done so? In this world, our sin has broken things, hasn't it? Our relationship to God was shattered to pieces, and the same can be said about our relationships to our fellow human beings. Yet, in God, we have a reason for hope. And not just because he's all-knowing and all-powerful and he cares for us. There's more than that. What is that more? That more is hinted at by Jesus and his instruction to the disciples. Notice the last words of that gospel reading. The kingdom of God has come near to you. Now, the kingdom of God is not a place. It's the reign of God, his rule. So that helps us to understand what it means. The rule of God has come near to you. The reign of God has approached you. We have reason for hope because an all-knowing, all-powerful creator God demonstrates his care for you by showing up. By showing up in our lives and by showing up in Jesus. And that's important. Our hope rests on an almighty God whose power flowed through Jesus as he healed the sick and raised the dead and preached the gospel to people. Through Jesus, the Messiah, the rule and reign, the kingdom of God has come near. In Jesus, God has shown up and gathered together the exiled, scattered people of God. In Jesus, God has shown up to heal those of broken heart. God has shown up to bind up our wounds, to take up those who are humble. 
And then, because of Jesus' death in our place, His substitutionary death upon the cross, God is well pleased with those who are hoping in His mercy. Yes, God has shown you mercy in Jesus Christ. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is the start of God's kingdom. God's long-awaited saving rule. So do you feel brokenhearted? Are you conscious of your own sinfulness? Sin has infected and wounded you. So maybe there's lingering sin in your life. Maybe it's like a sickness that you just can't seem to beat. Remember, the kingdom of God has come near to you. God has shown up. He's dealt with your sins upon the cross, and he's offered you mercy. He shows up today through word and through supper to give you hope, to offer you mercy. Acknowledge that sin is restless in you. Confess to God just how wounded and sinful you are. He wants you to cry out to Him as His children. Stop relying on your own strength and your own reason and trust in Jesus Christ. That is where you will find reason to have hope. God is pleased with those who are hoping in His mercy, our psalm says. And His mercy is offered to you in Jesus Christ. That's where your hope is. God has promised to lift us up, to take us to himself, to bring us to him when we cry to him. Where he is, there we shall be. That's our hope. Through Jesus, through the Messiah, we have been made heirs of the kingdom of God. We get to be citizens of a heavenly Jerusalem, a place without sorrow or sickness or dying a place of everlasting blessedness. Today, the church remembers St. Luke, who was a physician by trade and became a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul and wrote two books of our Bible. While we remain in this life, we are treated by a better physician than St. Luke. We have the best physician treating us, our Lord Jesus Christ. And the church is the great hospital for sinners. Christ, the mighty physician, continues to apply medicine and bandages to the wounds of your sin through his word and through his supper. Pray daily. Hear, meditate, study God's word daily. Receive the sacraments. That's medicine for sin. We should use these means of grace. Avail yourselves of them so that you have hope. So that the sin that's in you can be fought and put to death. God is willing and he's able to do it. And he's accomplished your salvation and given you hope through the resurrection and crucifixion of his son, Jesus Christ. Christ is where you have God's mercy. Christ is your only hope.
And that, dear brothers and sisters, is a good reason to give thanks and praise to God. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Please stand. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Let us pray to the Lord to open the eyes of the blind by the light of his word and to open the ears of the deaf with the voice of his gospel and for the Lord to clear the way for all people to know the riches of his grace, the gift of forgiveness, and the promise of life in Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Let us pray to the Lord to raise up evangelists who will witness the gospel, for preachers who will testify to the mighty acts of deliverance on the cross by which we have been saved, and for the Lord to bless his church and all church workers who serve us in his name. Lord, in your mercy. Let us pray for the Lord to bless our nation with peace and harmony, for the Lord to bless our queen, our prime minister, premier, mayor, all legislators and judges, and those who protect and defend us against all enemies of our land. Lord, in your mercy. Let us pray for, to the Lord for, to heal the sick, give relief to the suffering, grant comfort to those who mourn, especially thinking of the Neeb family, and give peace to the dying, especially do we remember others who have asked our prayers, especially your servants Roger and Jim, Steve, Kathy, Jack, and Jeff. And remembering our shut-ins, Vincent, Margaret, Ruth, Sharon, Ruth, Mary, B, Lloyd, Audrey, Doreen, Betty, Maria, Jack, and Juanita, and all those whom we name now silently in our hearts. Lord, in your mercy, let us pray to the Lord on behalf of those who serve as doctors and nurses for medical researchers and those who are working to end the coronavirus epidemic and for anyone who cares for the sick. Lord, in your mercy, let us pray to the Lord for the renewal of our lives of prayer, devotion, and study, interceding on behalf of all those in need and those who have de devoted themselves to the Lord's work. Lord, in your mercy. Let us pray to the Lord for those who commune this day, for faith to receive his gifts, and for genuine repentance, that they may receive to their benefit his flesh and blood with this bread and cup. Lord, in your mercy. Let us pray to the Lord that we may not forget those who delivered to us the sacred deposit and taught us the faith, and let us join them in passing on the faith to those yet to come. Lord, in your mercy. Let us pray to the Lord that we remain steadfast and immovable in faith, and that we may endure to the day of his coming, when we shall be re reunited with those who have gone before us with the sign of faith, and now rest from their labors to live in his eternal presence and sing his praise without end. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. 
Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at RevFenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at iCloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.